0: Well, hey, hey, what's up, everyone? Welcome back to another episode of the Amazing Seller Podcast. This is episode number 334 in session number 102 of Ask Scott. This is where I answer your questions here on the podcast. I do it every Friday. And I am fired up today to do it once again. This is going to be awesome. I look forward to doing this, and there's some really good questions that I'm going to be answering today. Before I do jump into the questions, I just want to say, hey, what's up? How you guys doing? Are you guys having a good week? Hopefully, you are. Hopefully, you're ready for the weekend, or hopefully, you're working on your action steps to do whatever you want to do in business and in life, and uh, I actually want to talk about that real quick before we jump into today's questions, and that is something that I always like to do is give you guys a little bit of maybe some things that I'm thinking about, but really one thing to think about, and that is today, what is on my mind, not even just today, this past week, uh, I actually, uh, after attending the event in Dallas, which is still kind of fresh in my mind, I was able to attend uh, Tony Robbins' little four and a half hour workshop. Yeah, right, little, it's really, that's really a short time frame for him. He usually does like 10, 12 hour days, Uh, but yeah, it was awesome, and I got fired up, and I took a lot of notes, and in my notes going back, I wanted to kind of see like what is something that I need to look at a little bit closer and especially when we're in business or in life, we're thinking to ourselves like, you know, we're always thinking about the problems or the struggles or the things we're working on, but we don't take the time to think about the things that we should be appreciating because that right there is so powerful because when we think things are bad, they're really probably not as bad as we think. And I'm sure you can relate to that. I'm sure you've probably said to yourself, man, like why does this always happen to me? And what you really need to ask yourself is "Is like, okay, that's fine. It's happening to me. But what other things could be happening or better than that, what is in my life right now that I'm not really – appreciating like what right now am I taking for granted like what right now should I be saying like wow I am so grateful that I have this I have five fingers right on my right hand or you know I have I, I can hear or I have a great family or I'm not going through a divorce or whatever, right? Whatever you're grateful for or that you have appreciation for, you should be doing that. And uh, that's something that he talked about and he says, take every day to remember your appreciation. And uh, I just wanted to kind of throw that out there. Like, just think about that for a second and, you know, write it down maybe. Just like, what are you, uh, you know, what are you grateful for right now? Like, what do you appreciate in your life that you have that you might not be, you know, thanking yourself for, thanking the world for, because, you know, those times, or those things sometimes get overlooked, and they really shouldn't, and that can also make us feel good, and guess what, when we feel good, our energy goes up, and when our energy goes up, guess what, we're more productive, we treat people better, we usually get more results, we usually have a clearer mind, all of that stuff, and I just want to share a quick little story, I was actually on a walk with my wife the other day, we Try to take a walk together every day. We take lunch together every day, and we, you know, we have a lot of, you know, heart to hearts. We have a lot of talks. We have a lot of just, you know, things that we're that we're dealing with in life, or things that we're excited about, and all that stuff. But we were on our walk, and my my wife was talking about, uh, you know, some things that were concerning to her that she was nervous about. Whether it's just, you know, as we're getting older, right? You have these certain things. Like, man, I just want to make sure that I can stay healthy, and I'm 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 worried about this, and and I'm like, well, wait a minute here. Let's let's talk about this. Like, what you're wor. About, is that really something that? what if that is the case like you know like we're getting older like you know i might be getting some gray hair okay so okay i don't like gray hair there's things i can do about that right i can dye my hair i can cut my hair i can shave my head which i've thought about and <laughs> to be honest with you uh which i kind of do already right now just not with a razor uh but you know there's things that we can do about that right it's not the end of the world it's just something that we're not good with or things that we might not be happy with but then we have to ask ourselves like What if right now we flip that on its head and we say, right now, what if you were worrying about something really major? Like, what would that be like? Like something major like someone that we love just got diagnosed with cancer. And I hate to say that, but like that would be really, really bad. Not I have a few extra gray hairs and I don't like looking at them because it makes me feel as though I'm old. You see what I'm saying like those are the little things sometimes that we say wow this is really important to me I want to get this done because I don't feel good about this or I don't like this or I want to get something done to the house that's bothering me because I'd really like it if I could have that room done over or anything like that and we get stressed out about that or we we let that kind of weigh on us but if we really you know kind of think about things that we're appreciating right now in our lives which is I'm very grateful that we're healthy like we have a good bill of health and my father is still here with us and you know we have time that we can spend with those people in our lives that we love and that we cherish and and you know maybe just you're grateful that the sun's out today and you're like right now we're grateful that we're in South Carolina and not necessarily New York because New York right now it's not a lot of sun but here we get a lot of sun so I should be grateful for that right and I know you guys have heard this time and time again but you know what I think it's worth repeating because it's things that that you know When we're in business, we don't look at these things as a business, you know, lesson or a business uh, exercise that we should be doing, but you're wrong because if we don't set ourselves up for being like alert or energetic or high energy or, uh, you know, feeling in the right state of mind when we we sit down to actually do our work, we're not going to be as productive. And I think it's really important that we think about that. And, uh, and if you do, you're going to have more clarity. You're going to have a better time when you're sitting down and doing the work, all of that stuff. And I know you guys have probably heard this a thousand times, but you're going to hear it again today. And that is, you know, appreciate what you already have and also be grateful for what you have, and also what has happened, like, go back to a moment in time that you're really grateful for, like, I went back to a time in my life when I was doing this exercise, I thought about a time that I can remember vividly, and that I'm so grateful for that memory, and I just kind of lost it, is, uh, you know, my son was uh, nine years old, I believe, at the time, and I was coaching uh, his Little League team, it was actually the All-Stars for that time of year, so they basically pull all of the the kids that get selected by the league, it's a whole thing, it's kind of silly, actually, but you get, all of the top players on a team, and then you start to go against different districts, uh, and you, well, number one, you want to win the district, and then you want to go and start playing outside of that district, but every year, you want to win the district, so, uh, you know, it was really a big deal, and, you know, I love the kids on the team, I just, I loved that time in my life, it was just awesome, like, you know, 4.30, we'd go over to the field, we'd get the team ready, we'd practice, we'd play we'd have fun it was just a great time in my life and i uh, kind of sad here even getting a little choked up thinking about it because it was a it was a really good time in my life and uh And uh, I go back to that time, but I also go back to one moment that I'll never forget. It was when we won. And I can still see my son like running up to me and me, you know, grabbing him and then holding him up over my head and kind of twirling around and being like, yes, you know, yes. And all the kids are throwing their hats and their gloves. And it was just an amazing time in my life. And I have to remember that time. If I don't remember that time, it's kind of lost right until I see a picture. Why not bring those pictures back in our mind and say, listen, you got so much to be grateful for and so many things to look forward to. There's so many different chapters in our lives, and uh, we need to appreciate what we have and also what has happened. And then... Be grateful and appreciative for what's going to happen or what could happen, right? So all of that stuff. But anyway, just wanted to kind of throw that out there and uh, and kind of let you guys kind of think on that because I think it's important. It's important in life and in business. All right. So before we jump in, I want to remind you guys on the show notes, theamazingseller.com forward slash 334. And also, if you want to ask a question on an upcoming show, head over to theamazingseller.com forward slash ask, and you can do that. You can ask me a question. And the other thing I want to do, I haven't done this in a while, I always update the resources page on the Amazing Seller Podcast website. It's our blog, and it's a resource section, and it gets visited a lot, and uh, I kind of update that on a regular basis, and I don't really tell people that I do, and I probably should. So I just wanted to let you guys know that that is updated. If you guys are looking for all of the different resources that I use or some of the students that I'm coaching uses, uh, you can always head over to the... AmazingSeller.com forward slash resources and just to name a few that have been added um, is inspections and product validation services. That's by Guided Imports. That's over there. They have a pretty sweet little deal for all TASers over there. Liability insurance. Michelle Love. I don't. I don't have any affiliation as far as like I don't get paid to refer people to her. But she's a great person and a great great uh, organization that she uh, uses and or that she runs. And also uh, liability insurance is a pain in the butt to locate a good one, and uh, that, to me, is a really, really valuable resource, so definitely um, check her out or just go to the the, uh, resources page. You'll find that there, and then the other one is Fetcher. I've been using Fetcher now in one of my brands for about, uh, I would say, probably about three months now maybe two and a half, and I'm really loving it. I'm falling in love with it, actually. And what Fetcher is 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 a way for you to pull in all of your data. I mean, data that we don't even know is happening behind the scenes in Amazon and our seller's account, and it breaks everything down so we can see the exact profits at the end of the day. It even pulls in pay-per-click, um, does projections, all that stuff of your inventory. Uh, so all that stuff is there. Again, that's Fetcher, and Greg Mercer, uh, who also owns Jungle Scout, has also created Fetcher, which is amazing. And as always, he's created a really cool deal for you uh, on the resources page. I am affiliated with him, and uh, yes, I would get paid a cup of coffee if you use my link, but you'll also get some cool uh, little extras for going through that. And again, I only uh, I only use people that I believe in, so definitely check that out. And then there's another one. I'm not going to go too much into detail here because I don't want to spend this whole time talking about all the updated resources, but um, there's another one that's a uh, keyword finder, which is really, really awesome. It's where you can actually go to a listing and then click live right there on that listing and then see all of their keywords, okay, all of their keywords, and you can see where they're ranking for them and the sales that have been generated through those keywords, I've been playing around with that, and I love that one there, and that's by uh, Seller Labs, and that can be found on the resources page as well, cool little discount there for you, and then also, uh, they also have a pay-per-click software that we're playing around with, so definitely go check out the resources page if you guys want to see the latest and greatest resources in this space. All right, guys, so let's get rocking and rolling. What do you say? Let's go ahead and listen to today first question and I'll give you my answer. Let's do this.
1: Hey Scott, uh, my name is Tom. I'm from Ohio and I have a question about the copyrights. Um, I'm selling on Amazon for about six months right now and when I first started, yeah, I just had a uh, regular normal pictures uh, taken uh, for my product, okay, and then about uh, two months after, I actually hired one of the uh, Los Angeles photographers, yeah, I paid a lot of money, about $900, to take seven pictures. Uh, And uh, he actually did a great job, and uh, my uh, conversions went up almost twice after he took those great pictures. And then, uh, it was like second month, I was selling on Amazon, then I noticed that um, my competitor... Actually, who uh, one of my competitors who actually uh, had only two pictures and was low resolution, probably Chinese uh, people, I don't know, uh, and I was tracking uh, their uh, ratings um, all the time, and then they just took my pictures and put their logo on the corner of the picture, and I, I was actually fighting with Amazon, and I was telling them, hey guys, I mean, uh, those are my pictures. And I own the rights and everything, but uh, they were keep telling me. I mean, you have to register your pictures on uh, with the U.S. government or something in order to provide the proof that you own those. Uh, so I just, uh, I just had some other things to do. I was getting ready for the uh, Q4, so I, I didn't, uh, I didn't even think about it no more. But uh, recently, maybe about a month ago, I uh, I just look at the, um, this com- same competitor. I look at his ratings, and his sales also went up even before uh, before the fourth quarter. Okay, so I'm I'm 100 sure that those pictures, those high resolution uh, pictures, they are helping uh, my competitor to get sales, and at the same time this. Uh, person is taking away sales from me Uh, and not much i can do i mean i can uh, what i when i was doing the research that i can do um, i can uh, file my pictures to the government copyright.org i believe and uh, but it will take like six months before uh, i can get actual documents that i own those pictures and it's a long process so and uh, so what are your thoughts on the copywriting especially on the pictures Uh, Thank you very much. And I hope I'm going to hear this answer on one of your episodes. Thank you. Bye bye.
0: Hey, Tom, thank you so much for the question. And uh, yeah, this uh, this is a problem because uh, this can happen for sure. Uh, Someone can take your pictures that you've spent money on. And then uh, now all of a sudden they're going to just start using them. And I think it's It's terrible that people are doing this. I mean, people with a conscience you would think wouldn't do that, but obviously they they don't care. It's literally stealing. Um, And I get a little sensitive about this because some of you that know my backstory, my wife and I were photographers, still are photographers, but we're more so not a, uh, you know, we're more of a hobbyist now because we don't do it professionally, but we did. And copyright on our images was a big deal. And it's still a big deal because people pay money for those images or the, you know, the photographer, the artist, if you will, has, uh, you know, basically created that thing, right? That whether it's music, whether that's an image, whatever it is, right? That's the copyright. And, you know, there's a lot of different people out there saying, well, you don't have to register because, you know, once you take that picture, it's technically the photographer's property, which is true, so your photographer that took that, technically it's their property, and then they'd have to give you um, the rights to it, which I'm assuming they have, but uh, it's hard to enforce, to be quite honest with you. It's going to be hard to enforce because... You know, again, it's kind of hearsay. It's like, well, this is my picture. How is it your picture? How are you going to prove that that's your picture? Now you'd have to have some documentation. You'd have to have something from your photographer stating that now you are the licensed owner of that, or you are the the registered owner of that image, and the date and the stamp and all that stuff. But even more so than that, you really need to register that, like they had told you. You know, with uh, you know, with, uh, you know, the government, you know, you have to do that. Now it's a pain in the butt and a lot of people don't want to do it. And to be quite honest with you, I don't even do it right now. It's just, it's one of those things you're like, well, you know, if it happens, I'll deal with it. But here's a workaround, you know, in your pictures, I don't think that you mentioned this, but in your pictures, you should have your brand somewhere on the that image, not a stamp, not in the right corner like this person do, which again by the way is against the terms of service, you're not supposed to put any type of graphics or logos or web URL or anything on the picture. You guys probably see they have, you know, different badges on there people are putting on there. That's technically against terms of service. And I know Amazon does a terrible job enforcing this and it really gets me upset because here we are playing by the rules and then someone comes along and tries to do this to get better conversions and then if they do get better versions, they're hurting us, but we're playing by the rules, right? You can tell I'm getting a little, a little irritated here because that does bother me, but instead of going, well, I'm just going to do the same thing, you have to try to abide by the rules, and uh, one way of doing this, again, is to have your logo... On the product, and then in the picture, have that on there. So now, if someone is selling that same product or a similar product, and they don't have the markings on theirs, they can't use that image. So that would be a clear giveaway to Amazon. Because you would say to Amazon, "Listen, I'm the owner, the manufacturer of this product. My logo is stamped right in the mold, or it's right." on the packaging, maybe you have a picture of your box in the image, so if you don't already have a picture of your packaging or anything in the, the image, you should do that, because then that will differentiate yourself, and it'll show a mark of your business, because that other person, if they're selling the same product with and using your image, and then it's got your logo on it, guess what? You're going to be able to say, that person set up another listing on my particular item, they'd have to go and actually list on my listing, which they can't do because I'm not authorizing anyone to sell that product on my listing because I'm brand registered and all of those things. So one thing that I would say right off the bat is if you have any packaging and you have brand you know, on there, you have your brand markings on there, you want to use them in that image. And I know you've already spent a ton of money on these images. You can still use those images. You just can't use it as your main image, which your main image is probably the thing that really that, uh, upped your conversions as well. Uh, and I would just have that try to be throughout all of my images. So wherever you're showing the item, show the brand. If you're having a lifestyle picture of someone using the item, try to have the logo or the stamp somewhere on the item as they're using it. If it's a, uh, if it's a fishing rod or a tackle box and they're, you, you, you show someone, you know, through it, show the the spot where the logo would be if you can. Um, not always going to be possible, but this is just some things that you can do. Now, if you do want to register, which again, it sounds like you spent a lot of money on these images, it's probably worth registering these, okay? And the thing that you can do, again, I'll link this up in the resources page and on, the, um, on this episode, which is theamazingseller.com forward slash 334. And then I'll also, I'll put it on the resources page, which we talked about here in the beginning. And then that way there, anyone that wants to register, um, they can do that. I actually have a good article that I pulled from LegalZoom. LegalZoom is who I would go through probably. They take care of all of the uh, all of the uh, paperwork and all that stuff. You don't have to, but they just make it really easy. I have did a, um, a few things with them in the past. I did a, an LLC. I did a trademark um, through LegalZoom. Really easy. Um, so definitely if you want to check those guys out. But I do have an article, which I'll link up in the show notes. And it talks all about how to copyright your pictures or your music or anything that you want to copyright. And it gives you all the necessary steps, whether you use LegalZoom or not. So it's a pretty good read. It's not that long, like three steps. Um, And that would be one thing. And then if you have that, then you can give that to Amazon and say, hey, listen, I've got this. This is my copyright number, um, you know, through the, uh, you know, uh, uh, .gov uh, website or whatever, or your paperwork. And then this way here, you have a number. The other thing is that I didn't hear you mention is, did you actually reach out to the seller? Did you reach out to them and give them uh, some type of notification that they've violated your copyright? Have you just went out there? I mean, again, maybe the nice approach at first, right? Or the nice letter. Uh, And again, I had uh, Ted Limas on, which he might be someone even Maybe email or reach out to. He can maybe guide you through this as well. Maybe what what are some next steps? Um, uh, I had him on episode 186 was where we were talking about trademarks and copyrights. Um, so that's the amazing seller.com forward slash 186. Definitely want to listen to that one or go to that one and look at the show notes and you can kind of see what we talked about there. Uh, probably be some links to the uh, gov, uh site and how you kind of do all that stuff, because I think he mentioned it there. But again, uh it, it stinks, you know that this is happening, but it's happening. So there's some things that I, I would be looking at doing And like I said, going back to, I would definitely make sure that your product images have your logo on your product or in the packaging or on the packaging so you can show that in the image. And if someone grabs your image, guess what? They have to use that image. Now, if they Photoshop it out or something, now we've got another problem because now they've clearly taken that and modified it. And that's a no-no. So um, hopefully this has helped you or anyone else out there that is thinking about creating some really high quality images, which you should be because just like Tom said, he, I think he said he tripled or quadrupled his sales just by updating his images and creating some really nice images of the product, and uh, yeah, I think that's really awesome too, so uh, good job there, but uh, that's what I would definitely do as far as the copyright stuff goes, so hopefully this helped. Let's go ahead
2: and listen to the next question. I'll give you my answer. Hey, Scott. This is Jeff from the beautiful Shenandoah Valley of Virginia been selling on Amazon for about two years now. I guess you could call it wholesaling. I've been selling for a friend of mine who has an existing website and also sells on eBay. He does about $800,000 worth of sales a year. Uh, Started two years ago, didn't really know what I was doing. Started posting some parts and listing them and sold about $42,000 worth of parts in the first year. Second year, after listening to a lot of podcasts, including yours, I turned on pay-per-click automatic, and my sales this year have been about $135,000. I currently have about 375 items listed on Amazon at this point. I guess my question is, I've listened to lots of podcasts talking about uh, pay-per-click, and most of those are geared toward people that have one or two listings, I have 375, and really, to tell you the truth, going through the data to figure out what keywords I need for each one of mine seems like a daunting task to me. And I'm a family man, I have a full-time job, and I'm really trying to figure out how to spend my time. Should I concentrate on the keywords... Or should maybe I concentrate in, in the year 2017 on doing some email follow-up with customers, which I haven't done yet, but have been listening to podcasts and think I have something figured out via a software program. Would really like to uh, hear some advice from you. I really like your show. I've been listening now for over a year, and I was wondering should I try to go the route of pinpointing my keywords for all of my items, or should I just try to list as many items as I can and start up some email follow-up? would love to hear your answer. Thank you.
0: Hey, Jeff, thank you so much for the question, and nice audio, man. It sounds really rich and good and Good quality. So good job there. I'm not sure what you're using, but it sounds really good. Uh okay, so let's let's dig into this here. Uh, congratulations, number one, on selling product. Uh, you know, forty two thousand, and then more than tripling that the next year, which is pretty amazing. So awesome job there. But I understand what you're saying, and it sounds like what you've done is you've really taken like these items from, uh, from this company. And then you're able to then list these out and really go wide, not necessarily deep. And I like that strategy because then you're not relying on just one product And, uh, you know, you can get, you know, a few sales here and a few sales there, and then they add up collectively. And actually we had someone, um, at our recent, uh, TAS breakthrough live, uh, a lady, her name was Stacy. And, uh, she is doing like $80,000 a month in revenue from selling. Like, I think she said she's got over 300 or 400 SKUs, but maybe even more, but Maybe they're doing two sales a day, four sales a day. Maybe some might be doing eight sales a day, but collectively she's doing 80,000. So it's a whole whole other way of doing it. Um, And it sounds like you might be in like a parts type business or something like that or an accessory type business, which is cool. And then all these little products make up these SKUs and then you get people coming in. So I know that wasn't your question, but I just did want to highlight that for anyone listening that's thinking about, should I go wide? Should I go deep? Um, Depends on your resources and it sounds like you have a really good resource to be able to to continually add product to your catalog, which is pretty cool. Uh, So the problem that happens, though, when you get a lot of SKUs is now you want to run pay-per-click, but yet you've got to manage 300 SKUs. Man, how do you do that? Like, how do you do some... You know reverse scrapes on some some listings that you want to do, or uh, there's this new tool that I'm I'm using by Seller Labs called Scope, and that one there is like literally a plugin, or I'm sorry, it's a, well it's like a plugin. It's in Google Chrome, and as you're on that listing, you just click a little button, and it pops up all of these amazing keywords that this that this uh, seller is ranking for and making sales on, and then you can extract those and put them into a paper per click campaign, which is awesome, but You're gonna do that for 300 of them? I don't know. You could, uh, but then you got to manage all those. You got to see all the ones that are kind of pulling the ACOS down or up, however you want to look at it. Where you're like, man, like there's some really good keywords, but there's some really bad ones. You got to monitor all that stuff. It's a lot of work. You could spend a whole you know day just going through your pay per click uh, stuff. So it sounds like you're doing auto campaigns, which is great. But you can even go deeper than that. But going back to your problem, you've got a lot of skews. So I would say, first off, I would start by looking at the SKUs that are performing the best or have the best potential, and then I would start to drill into those. So you might only have a handful. You might only have like six of them, and maybe you start there, and then you start to really refine those. Like You're like, you know what? If I gave these a little bit more love- uh, I could probably take five sales a day and turn it into 10 or 20. Uh, so that might be something to consider. Um, now you're talking about like an outreach as far as like, or doing some email list building and then letting people know about your products. Depends on the market that you're in, right? If you're in the fishing space and you sell fishing lures, uh, that would be amazing because now you can do, this would actually be really cool. And I'm kind of thinking off the fly here. I didn't even have time to plan or anything. So this is going to be like totally off the cuff. And, uh, this is how I think. So let's say that, for example, it is like let's say it's fishing lures. Like you found a guy, he's making these fishing lures, and they're amazing. Everyone loves them locally. You bring them on Amazon. Let's say that that's what you did, and uh, people are buying them. Maybe two here, maybe five here. And if you did some pay per click, you could maybe get some of those up. Cool. Or maybe different times of the year because maybe bass fishing is at a different time of the year than, you know, I don't know, trout fishing. I don't. I'm not a fisherman, so I'm, I like fishing. I just don't know a lot about it. Uh, but. Uh, one cool thing you could do here is create that email list. We talk about this uh, in a workshop that we recently did where we show how we built an email list in a certain market, and then from there on the back end, we can sell them products that are related to the giveaway. So we did like a contest giveaway, and let's just use the example of this as fishing. Let's say that we found a, a really popular fishing rod, and then we found a really popular fishing vest, and then maybe a fishing net. And then maybe our tackle box along with it. And we created this massive like giveaway. Maybe it's a $250 value. That's what we spent on it. That's what we're going to give it away for. And then we do that for 30 days. We build this amazing email list of people that want to win this thing. But guess what? They are fishermen. So they're going to want lures. Well, guess what? Once a week, I can send them one of our lures in a, in a, maybe a blog post that we wrote about and said, this is why this one lure is awesome because it, It shows a certain flash in the water when, I don't know, the spinner comes around and then the bait, and I don't know, I'm making up stuff now. I'm sounding silly, but you get what I'm saying, right? You have a reason to email them. You could be like, hey guys, I mean, this might be a weekly email. Hey guys, uh, you know, we just wanted to give you our five top Uh, lures of the week or something like that, or maybe our face-off, maybe you have a face-off where you do like, you know, uh, one lure against another lure, and then you can kind of talk about each one of them, and then throughout that, you're also letting people know about your business and your company, and you can say, oh, guys, just want to let you know we're having a weekend sale, you can get 20% off any of our red line lures, if that's what they're called. Uh, You get what I'm saying, right? So we have a reason to email them. So depending on what you're in. Now, again, if you're selling something like barn hinges, well, that's going to be a little different unless there's a certain market that you're catering to that buys these hinges. Um, So it's a little different. You have to look at your market and see if an email list is the right way to launch these products. if it's a if it's a passion driven uh, market or if it's a problem, uh, maybe if it's a problem, you can still do an email list because then it would be like solutions to the problems throughout, right? Um so there's a whole bunch of different things you can do. So hopefully, this gave you an idea, but I would say definitely focus on the top ones that are that you think have the most potential, that if you gave them a little bit more attention, they could, they could grow and then start driving more. Um, I would also say if you have that many, and if they're related in any way, then I would start to run internal promotions to drive traffic to my other listings. And then the other thing is if you're going to do an email list. Take what I just shared with you and apply that. We actually, like I said, we did a workshop, free workshop. You can check that out by heading over to the amazing seller.com forward slash build list. Again, that's the amazing seller.com forward slash build list list, and uh, we walk you through like these three basic funnels of creating an email list, but then also we go through and show you how we built a list of, at the time, I think it was like 7,000 emails, and it's since grown to about 16,000 plus, um, and we've been doing this in, in a variety of markets, so it doesn't just work in one market. It works in a variety of them if you have the right offer, and the right offer really needs to be something like I explained, like a giveaway that's over $100 worth of value, a lot of people make the mistake, and they say, "Well, I'll just give away my product for free, and I'll get emails that way." If your if your item is you know a twenty five dollar item, it's not really a huge like, "Oh my gosh, you gotta like you gotta get this thing." So that's why you like to use a bundle, but then make it around your market, um, and not just something like get a free iTunes gift card for a hundred dollars, like. That doesn't establish that, that those people want the market. That Those people just want something free. But if you establish that these people are in the market and they want that, then uh, it's just a, a better targeted list of emails. So hopefully this helped. Uh, man, we're going on a long time here today. I'm going to have to speed this up. But Let's go ahead and listen to one more last question. I'll give you my answer and then we can wrap this up and you guys can get out there and start rocking and rolling. Let's do this.
3: Hi, Scott. This is Nora. I've been listening to your podcast and I really appreciate what you do. It's helping me so much. Um, I'm still in the beginning stages and still trying to choose my first product. And I've, I've been hearing a lot about these hijackers and just wondering what's the difference in a hijacker and someone new like myself coming in and looking for a new product Because, you know, what I'm doing is I'm looking for a product that's doing well on Amazon that is um, a field that I could still compete with, you know, that has low reviews and lots of sales and the kinds of recommendations that you've been giving. Um, But what would make me different from a hijacker um, whenever I choose a product? You know, what is to prevent somebody who already has that product up to come at me and tell me that I need to take it down. Um so that's my question. Hope you can help me with that. Um thanks so much. Bye-bye.
0: Hey, Nora, thank you so much for the question, and this is a good question. Some people uh, might be thinking that are already listening to the podcast, like, well, okay, isn't that pretty obvious? But it's really not. For people that are just starting out, you would think something like this, and there's a difference, okay? And I'm going to clear this up really quickly. This is actually a quick question, uh, so it actually works out perfect because this week we went a little bit longer, but I wanted to answer your question because I know people out there could be thinking the same exact thing, and there's two different things that we're talking about here. Number one, what you're asking is, Scott, if I... I go out there and I find some products that are doing really well and I sell that product, isn't that hijacking? Aren't I like taking that person's idea or that person's product and then competing against them? That's okay. That's not hijacking, okay? That's like you going out there modeling what's working and then making yours a little bit better and then improving it and then selling it, doing better marketing, like all that stuff. Like if they have a patent on it, that's a different story. If they have a patent on it, you need to know that beforehand and then you're going to have to do a little bit of research on that. But again, we're talking about, about products that are more or less a generic type product in a sense to where you know that there's not a patent or you've done your research or you've hired an attorney to say, is this, you know, is this a, uh, you know, is this a patent violation? And actually speaking of that, I probably should have mentioned this too, man, the resources page is just blowing up right now because I had uh, Sam Boyd on who runs guided imports, actually the owner of guided imports. And he turned me on to a patent search company and, uh, I'm going to try them out myself personally, but I'm going to link that up in the resources page and the show notes because I think he told me it's like a 200 or $250 search um, to do that, and they're very extensive. They do a really good job when normally an attorney is going to cost you a lot more, and they'll give you a lot of background on that. So definitely check that out. Uh, I'm going to throw that up on the resources page and on the show notes by the time this show goes live. Uh, I just thought about that, and um, I have it in my notes to actually add it to the resources. So definitely check that out if you're at all concerned anyone that's listening with a patent or a violation because you want to do that work up front. So this way here, you're not um, infringing on that because if you are, now you've got a thousand SKUs or not thousand, a thousand of that item and then all of a sudden you can't sell it. Now that's bad. Now that's really bad because now how do you get rid of the product? You technically can't. You have to destroy it. They won't even let you sell it. So that could be a big deal and uh, definitely want to make sure that you're not doing that. But what we're talking about when we talk about hijacking, we're talking about you creating your own product, okay, or modeling someone else's that's doing pretty well or that you think that you can get to. Let's say my my rule of thumb is like I like 10 units a day, so three, uh, let's see, three 300 a month. Um, Let me do some quick math here. So it's 10 a day, 30 days, that's 300 a month, $10 profit. That's my 10 by 10 by one that I look at. And that's what I generally try to use as my rule. But Let's just say, for example, you find that you find the product, you uh, you say, "Okay, I can modify this a little bit. I can do a tweak here. I can do a tweak there. I can add better packaging. I can add a better you know set of images. I can do better listing optimization. And then you create this product. There's nothing wrong with that. That's what we're talking about doing. But now, let's say someone comes in and goes, "Oh, wow, look at this person's doing a really good job. I'm gonna blatantly rip off that product. I'm gonna have the exact same brand on that product and I'm going to sell on your listing. So you've created the listing, technically people aren't allowed or are supposed to be allowed to sell on that, especially if your brand registered, if they're if it's not the exact same item. So if, if you have your your product branded, if you have it, you know, specially created and all that stuff and someone else is selling it with your logo and your brand on it, that's a hijack situation. Now, in some instances, someone might have bought 5 of your item over on eBay because someone bought your product and they wanted to get rid of it and they never opened it out of the box. That's legit. They can do that. That's technically what we call retail arbitrage. Like We can technically go out to a store, which we teach in the 1K Fast Track, and we go ahead and look at Target, look at Lowe's or any store, for that matter, that runs a clearance sale at the end of a holiday, Um, and then we can resell that on Amazon on that listing. So Technically, that's not really hijacking because we're not taking over it and trying to steal sales. That company is fine with it as long as we bought that through a retailer or if it's if it's a legit product. Um, maybe they sold you know ten units. You know, at a closeout sale, and we bought them. That's fine. You can list it on there because it's the exact same item with the exact same SKU. That's the other thing. So you just want to make sure that you're understanding that hijacking is different than you going out and modeling a product that's doing fairly well, and then you just Do your best to make it better, improve it, do better images, listing optimization, better pay-per-click, all that stuff. Maybe build an email list, um, external traffic, like all that stuff. That's what we're talking about. So hopefully that makes sense. I know to a lot of people that are just getting started, a lot of these terms that we throw out there, you know, we kind of... We kind of expect that people all know it, but you know what? In the beginning, we didn't know it. I mean, people are like, what are you talking about? A hijacking thing? That's like terrible. Like, what? That's a terrible reference. Yeah, well, that's what the market has kind of coined it as. So we have to kind of use that terminology so we all kind of understand what we're talking about. So, that's kind of how it goes, all right? So uh, anyway, guys, that's pretty much going to wrap up this episode. I went a little longer today, actually quite a bit longer on an Nascot session, but you know what? There is no rules here. Uh, I make the rules for my own show, and my rule is if I have to keep talking about a certain topic or information, we're going to keep talking about it because I want to make sure you guys get all of the best, all right, all of the good resources and um that's what I want to do here. So guys, if you want to download all the show notes, head over to the amazing seller.com forward slash three thirty four, And you can do that. If you want to ask me a question for an upcoming ask Scott session, head over to theAmazingSeller.com forward slash ask. And again, guys, you can check out the resources page. Uh, and that will be on the blog as well, or in the show notes of today's episode, lots of new stuff going on there. All right, guys. So that's going to wrap it up. Remember I'm here for you and I believe in you and I am rooting for you, but you have to. Come on, say it with me. Say it loud. Say it proud. Let's say it with energy today. Take action. Have an awesome, amazing day, and I'll see you right back here on the next episode.